Well, uh, I just want to echo what VJ said a little bit earlier, man. Like, so much of what has taken place this semester, this semester can be attributed to God's people going before Him in prayer. Um, I hope that tonight, what you leave here knowing is that prayer is powerful. Uh, last week, we started a uh, sermon series that we're calling The Verge. The idea is that like, we believe that we are on the verge of God doing something amazing through this ministry, uh, but also through like the, the other ministries here at UNG and surrounding schools, through our church, through other churches. Like We just see this ripple effect a- a- across our country right now where the Lord is doing things in spaces like this. And so we asked last week, like, if that's going to happen, what, what's our responsibility? Like, like, what responsibility do we have? Because if you look at Scripture, like, throughout the course of the Bible, when God moves in powerful ways, oftentimes it, it comes on the heels of His people doing, like, some specific things. And so last week, Pastor Ben, he talked about how God moves when people repent, like when people get a right view of sin and, and they turn, they get clean before him. And tonight we're going to be talking about another way uh, that, that we can be responsible for seeing an, an awesome move of God take place. And we need to know that ultimately it's all up to him, uh, but he gives us an incredible opportunity to play a special part in this as well. And so tonight we're going to look at Jesus because you can make the argument that there's never really been anyone who's seen more moves of God take place than Jesus. And you're like, well, he is God, and you're right. Uh, but, but also, like, I think there's no more fitting of a person to, to look at, because as we look at Jesus, like we see throughout his ministry, all these incredible moves of God take place. Well, here's what's interesting. Jesus spent his entire ministry surrounded by uh, a group of people that we refer to as the disciples. The disciples had a front row seat to all these incredible moves of God that took place through the life and ministry of Jesus. And there is one time, one time throughout all of Scripture where the disciples ask Jesus to teach them something. And the thing that they ask Jesus to teach them, anybody know? teach us to pray. Right. Isn't that weird? Like they could have asked him anything. Jesus, teach us to raise the dead. Teach us to heal the sick. Teach us to feed 5,000 people with like a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Like, like teach us how to do all these incredible things, but no, teach us to pray. The only thing in all of scripture that they're recorded asking Jesus to teach them. Why? Because they knew that Prayer to Jesus was more than just like a discipline. It was more than just something that Jesus did. It was like the power source for everything that flowed out of his life and out of his ministry. That like it was through prayer that the capacity to see God move was taken to a whole nother level. Like prayer was the lifeblood of God moving through every piece and part of the ministry of Jesus. And the disciples knew that. So they're like, We're going to the source. Lord, teach us to pray. So the question tonight is, do you see prayer like that? Like, do you see prayer in the way that Jesus sees prayer? I wonder if some of us tonight maybe think of prayer uh, more like this. Are there any engaged people in the room tonight? There they are. You go, go Preston and Jenna. Oh, okay, awesome. Isabella, right? Okay, gosh, yeah, I, couldn't, I can't tell if that's you or not. Uh, so, awesome. A few, a few engaged people. Here's, here's what uh, our engaged friends know 
about engagement. It's awesome, but there are more awesome things in life, okay? Um, namely, marriage. And um, let me tell you why. See, engagement is great. Like, y'all are probably enjoying it, but there are some stresses involved in engagement. Like, there's planning a wedding. There's navigating family dynamics in the middle of planning a wedding. Like, it's just a lot of difficult stuff, and, and you know, you get through it. It's awesome. Um, but you've got this incredible thing in front of you, marriage, right? But one of the most awesome pieces of the sometimes stressful season of engagement if you guys have done this already, I don't know, um, is building a wedding registry. Y'all done this? Yes? Yes? No? Get on it. It's awesome. Um, so let me tell you, when you build a wedding registry, I hope that many of you have the uh, opportunity to do this. Let me tell you why it's awesome. Because basically you walk up to a store. Uh, you tell that store you want to start a wedding registry. The wife gets to like Think about her dream house as she walks around the store. Think about her new life. And the husband, at least this is the way that they used to do this, they give you a gun, a price gun, like what you would see at self-checkout, not like an AR, like a price gun. And they give that thing to you, and they're like, whatever she tells you that she wants, you just shoot it, and then you get it added to your list. And you're like, this is the best day ever. Like, I, I've never enjoyed shopping more, right? And so, like, when, when we're, Aaliyah and I are walking around bed, bath, and body work, what, I don't know what it is. Uh, we're walking around that store, and we're looking at all the pillows and such, and she's like, hey, we need this. I'm like, bang, you know, shoot it. And, but eventually that starts to get a little bit old. So I'm like, I'm practicing my long distance shooting. So, I, you know, I'm across the aisle and I shoot something from far away. And then when that gets old, and so I'm like, Aaliyah, throw it. And then I shoot it out of the air. And like, it's a blast, right? Building your wedding registry is so much fun. But I think that that's how a lot of people see prayer as like, you're just building this list. And ultimately, it's like God's responsibility to, to deliver on this list that you build of these things that you want. And that's so far from the way that Jesus paints the picture of prayer. Like the picture of prayer that Jesus paints, it, it, it's so deep. It, there's so much there. Like if we took the Bible at face value, what it says about prayer, and we believe not in like what our minds conceive prayer to be, not in like how we think prayer should look, but if we look at the teachings of Jesus, what we will see is, is a prayer life that literally is like the bridge between heaven and earth, right? Like, like something that is powerful, something that like as we increase in our capacity to pray, we will simultaneously increase in our capacity for God to move in and through us. And so tonight, our, our, our question, our mission, the thing that we're doing is the same thing that the, that the disciples went to Jesus and asked, Lord, teach us to pray. That question is answered in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. Tonight we're going to look at Luke chapter 11. I, I kind of like the uh, language of it a little bit better. Same, same, uh, same thing that uh, these two different authors are writing an account about, right? So th they're both writing about the same event that took place, but you know, different authors will kind of look at it through a different angle. So we're in Luke chapter 11 tonight, if you want to turn there. Tonight, we're going to see four truths about prayer. 
I'm going to read you our our passage together. This is Jesus' answer, his response to the disciples asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. And my hope tonight is that we would recognize that prayer the way that Jesus talks about, like if we're going to see God move in a supernatural way, it will not come without his people going to him in prayer because God moves when people pray. Let's read Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. That might sound familiar to many of you. Anybody like, yeah, I've prayed that thing a time or two, right? Maybe before you step out onto like a baseball field, a basketball court, a football field. Uh, like that is a common prayer. Maybe you grew up Catholic and that's like a common prayer that you would recite when you went to Mass. Like this is a prayer that a lot of us are familiar with. But the thing that I think is interesting about this prayer, again, this is Jesus' response to the disciples asking him, Lord, teach us how to pray. What Jesus was getting at, he wasn't like giving this prayer and then saying, hey, recite this over and over again before you play sports. Like that wasn't quite his intention. We call this the Lord's Prayer, but really what this is, this is like the model prayer, right? This is a prayer that our prayer should be modeled after. And so I told you tonight we're going to see four truths about prayer from this model prayer. And the first truth that we're going to see tonight is this, that prayer helps us know who God is. Prayer helps us know who God is. Let's look back at verse two. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. We're just going to stop right there. Because we're, we're walking through this prayer kind of bit by bit. The first thing that I want you to see tonight is that prayer helps us know who God is. Jesus starts this model prayer by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven. Now to us, because we hear this prayer so much, that's like, all right, cool. You know, it's a, we, we, a lot of us start our prayers. Father, whatever. Right? But to the disciples, this was monumental. This would have been like a game changer for them to hear because the disciples, they knew prayer. They weren't asking Jesus like, Jesus, what is this prayer? Like they they knew prayer. It was that Jesus prayed differently. Like there there was a move of God that like followed him everywhere he went and they knew prayer was the source of it. So like Jesus prayed differently, which is why they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. To the disciples, I said they knew prayer. Like to them, prayer was, it was something that was reserved for priests, it was something that happened in the temple. It was something that was like very high and, and holy, and you had to like repeat certain words. And Jesus flips that script and says, no, no, no. Prayer starts by seeing Jesus or seeing God as Father. Like you have been invited into a relationship with God where you can see Him as Father. That would have blown their minds. But unfortunately, it doesn't quite blow our minds anymore. But it should. 
Like that's a big deal that you've been invited into a relationship where you can see God as Father. I think about like the way that we that maybe you address your father, the way that I address my father. It's a lot different than somebody like another person of authority, right? Like someone in in authority, maybe like a professor or something like that in your class, you would you would uh, address them as professor whatever. Insert their name, right? And you would talk to them in a very respectful way, like not the way that you would talk to just anyone, like they kind of hold your grade in their hands, and so you're going to really, really try to, try to charm them, right? Try to turn it on a little bit. Like you are going to talk to them in a different way than you would your father. Take like a police officer, someone else who's in authority, like you're going to talk to them, you're going to address them as officer whatever. You know, they hold the power to give you a ticket in their hands, and so you're going to just address them a little bit differently than you would address your father. Because when you address your father, like, there's, there's no, nothing's off the table for that conversation, right? And your father still holds ultimate authority, but you can just go to, like, there's, there's no, it's an open door policy. His door is always open. This would have blown the disciples' minds. But for us, we become so complacent to the fact that we've been invited into a relationship where we can see God as Father. See, when it's my Father that I'm talking to, the conversation, the conversation, it's not irreverent, but it is real. Like, we would not talk to our Father like we're reading the Declaration of Independence. So why do we pray like that, right? The God thou art high and holy. You know, like Shakespeare, really? Like, this is, this is our Father that we're talking to. We can, we can talk to Him like He is our Father. We've been invited into this incredible relationship with Him where we can see Him and address Him as Father. But it doesn't stop there. Because Jesus says, He says, Our Father who art in heaven, but He goes on to say, Hallowed be your name. You know what the word hallowed means? It, it means to make holy to set apart. This is a reminder of God's separateness, a reminder of God's majesty. That's what it means. Jesus teaches us that when we pray, the words that we should start with should honor God. Why? Is it because God is like egotistical and has to hear like how awesome he is? Is it because like when you really want something, you've got to like butter him up before, you know, you, you go into the big ask, right? Like, like is, is that the reason? No. See, hallowing God is not for God's benefit at all. It's all for our benefit. It, what it does is it centers our heart on who we're talking to, and it, it reminds us that he, and, and him alone, he deserves all of our affection and all of our attention. And the, the reality is for most of us, when we pray, there's almost always other names that are being hallowed in our hearts. Names like productivity, names like comfort, approval, accomplishment, success, whatever it is. Uh, Jesus says in this model prayer, we begin prayer by inviting God to reorder our affections to put him at the first, the foremost uh, spot of our hearts, affections, we put him first. 
for each of these little truths about prayer, I want to kind of just give you a quick, hey, here's how you do this in practice. You know, like, okay, that's a great idea, but like, what does this actually look like? And, and for this point, for, for us to say that uh, prayer helps us know who God is, how do we do this? How, how do we approach God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name? What does that practically look like? Well, it could look like a bunch of things. Um, it could look like you worshiping the Lord. Like maybe you, you just spend some time singing to Him before uh, you, you pray. Now, I don't mean like acapella. It doesn't have to be that. Like it could totally be like you just turn on some worship music and, and you sing along. It could be you pray through a song, a psalm, right? Like you, you choose a, pas- a passage of Scripture and, and as you read it, you thank God for who He is. It could simply be gratitude, Right? Like, Lord, thank you so much for all that you've done. It could also, what I do, I like to like pray through the names of God. Like, Lord, you are strong creator God. You are my provider. You are my protector. You are my banner. Uh, you are a, a healer. You are my shepherd. Like, all these, these things. It's just starting with allowing God to reorder our affections, approaching him in such a way that we know that he is Father. It's an incredible way to begin our prayer, which is why Jesus starts there. But he continues in verse 3. Or actually, second part of verse 2. It says, your kingdom come. Now, if you prayed this prayer um, walking onto the baseball field or the basketball field or the football field, you probably know that in the other translation in Matthew, there's more to this little piece. It, uh, normally it says, your kingdom come. Anybody know it? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Great. A lot of athletes in the room. Or Catholics, one of the two. Um, So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, that's a pretty big deal. The second truth I I want us to see tonight is that prayer gives us access to God's power. Prayer gives us access to God's power. This is the first line of this model prayer where there's like a shift that takes place. Did you guys catch that? Like up until this point in this model prayer, it's been all like us to God about God. And in this line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is all about, Lord, I am asking you to do something. I'm asking you to move. And for some of us in the room, for all of us in the room, this kind of prayer, some of us see it differently than others. The kind of prayer where we're asking God to do something, right? Like change our circumstances or the circumstances of someone else's life. Some of us, prayer like that, man, you've experienced it. You believe in it. You have prayed. God has moved and you are like, all in. You you understand how powerful prayer is, but for others of us, you're skeptical. And that could be because of your theology. You're like, man, God is so sovereign. Nothing that I say is going to change anything about what he does. He's that in charge. Or maybe it's experience. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed for something to happen, and God's just not answered that prayer. Some of us believe in it, and some of us are skeptical. And those of us who are skeptical are like, man, like, do my prayers really matter? And this line of this model prayer 
it answers that question. It, it, it totally uh, answers any skepticism as to whether or not our prayers really matter. Like, are our prayers as powerful as we think? Well, this piece of the model prayer says it, they're actually more powerful than you think. But to understand that, we need to understand what, what I like to call the story of prayer, like kind of how prayer fits into the grand narrative of Scripture. And to do that, we've got to go back to the beginning. We've got to go to the garden. See, in the beginning of time, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them with a very specific purpose. Like that big existential question that all of us have asked in our life, why am I here? God answers that question. All the way back in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have, catch this word, dominion, otherwise known as rule. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You know what that verse tells us? It tells us that when God created us, that his intended design was that we are to be his representatives. Like that, that we exist to be his representatives on the earth, ruling in his authority over the earth. That's what we were created for. And if you're looking around on, in our country and on this earth, you're like, Something broke, like there's something wrong because we're not doing that. Well, here's what happened. Genesis chapter 3, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, that, uh, that authority, that rule that we were created for, all of a sudden, it was taken away from us. Because when sin came into the world, our relationship with Jesus, that perfect communion that we were created for, all of a sudden, we're separated from a holy God because of our sin. And get this, there's a communication breach between us and God. It's why in the Old Testament, you see the people have to constantly go and make sacrifices in order for, for God to atone for, or in, order to, in order to atone for their sins. It's why like, not just anybody could go and pray to God in the Old Testament and know that he hears them because there was a communication breach because of our sin. But then, Jesus comes on the scene. And he says, hey, that, that rule that you lost in the garden, that, that perfect communication that you had with the Father, you were supposed to be his representative, I'm coming to earn that back. In John chapter 12, we, we literally see Jesus right before he's about to go to the cross. He says this, now is the judgment of this world. In other words, I'm coming to do what I plan to come here to do. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Did you catch that word, ruler? In Genesis, we're created to rule. Now, Jesus says there's another ruler. And he's talking about Satan. But he says, when I go to the cross, when I defeat death, that ruler is going to be cast out. And I'm going to step into my rightful place as ruler. Which is why in Matthew 28, at the very end of Jesus' life, he says, hey, all authority has been given to me. Jesus steps back into his rightful place as ruler. 
giving us the ability to step back into our rightful place as his representatives, to rule alongside of him. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus, he says in John chapter 16, I believe it is, he says, up until now, you've just brought your requests to me in person. He tells his disciples that. You've just come to me. That's what prayer has been. You come to me in person, you ask me for things, and I respond to you. That's what prayer has been. But I can't stay here because you've got to be my representatives. You've got to rule. And so Jesus goes back to heaven, but he leaves us with what he calls an advocate, a helper, the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit gives us the ability to go to the Father in the same power that Jesus has to go to the Father. Jesus won our rule back. Prayer is the repair of the communication breach. To pray is to experience the same access to God that Jesus has. It's to take back the authority that we were created for and to rule alongside of God as his representative in perfect uh, community with him. That's what prayer is. You can't hear that and say prayer is not powerful. Like You just can't. That that is mind-blowing. That's what prayer is for us. But some of you, you hear that and you go, okay, I'm, I'm hearing you say, Logan, that prayer is powerful. But if it's so powerful, why doesn't God always answer it? Because I've been praying for that sick family member, that lost brother, sister, friend for years and years and years, and I've got nothing in response. How is that prayer powerful? That's a good question. I want you to think when you were growing up, you, I'm sure you asked your parents for things. And, and I'm sure you asked your parents for a lot of things, you know? Christmas time is a very popular time to ask your parents for things, but I mean, don't think necessarily like gifts, just think in general. Like you asked your parents for things all the time. And their answer was not always yes, Some of y'all little spoiled children in here it was. But for the most part, right, like your parents' answer was not always yes. Did it stop you from asking? Like, did, did a no from your father, did it cause you to go, oh, I, my ask has no influence? Like for us to look at God and go, you told me no. My prayer must not have influence with you is illogical. It simply means that he knows more than we know, that he has perspective that we don't, that his ways are higher than our ways. Because God doesn't give us a yes does not mean that our prayers don't lack influence with him. It doesn't mean that our prayers aren't powerful. It means that he is more powerful than us. He knows more than we know, but our prayers do move his heart. And Scripture is clear about that. So in practice, man, what, what does this look like? Well, your kingdom come, your will be done. In other words, God, I trust you. However you want to answer this prayer, I'm going to trust you no matter what. And, and here's the thing about prayer, y'all. We're not trusting in an outcome. We're trusting in God. 
We, we are praying to God and trusting in him. We're not putting our trust in an outcome. An outcome is not evidence for a, for a powerful prayer. It's just not. Like we're trusting in God, your kingdom come, your will be done. The, the third truth that I want you to see tonight is this about prayer, that prayer makes us relinquish control. It makes us relinquish control. Read with me in verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Now, I don't know if you guys read this like I did, but I think this is kind of funny. Like, you're in the middle of this incredible, powerful prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I have some bread? What? (laughs) Like, that's not a right fit. That seems so out of place. Does it not? Like, that seems so out of left field. Can I have uh, some bread for today? In the middle of all these big and bold statements lies this seemingly small, out-of-place phrase. It's like, man, it, it almost seems too small. Like, do I really need to ask about that? right? Like, again, Jesus is talking to the disciples who, like, it was kind of a given that they were going to have food because they were with Jesus, and he could do the bread thing, and And so, like, it seems really small. Do I really need to ask this? And I wonder if you've thought that about prayers before. Do I really need to ask this? This part in the model prayer is all about relinquishing control. And here's here's what I mean. In John chapter 5, we see this awesome story. Jesus is walking by the pool of Bethesda. This is a pool uh, there in Jerusalem where uh, people who were like, uh, who could not walk, who, who could not see, who, who could not hear, they, they would lay around this pool and they believed that there was healing powers in this pool that like when it bubbled up, the first person that could get to the water and touch it would be healed. It's just what they believed. And so Jesus comes walking by this pool. There's this guy, the scripture says he's an invalid, like he can't walk. He's, he's been this way for 38 years, right? And Jesus walks up to this guy. Don't miss how kind of crazy this is. Guy's been unable to walk for 38 years. Jesus, king of the universe, knows all things, walks up to him and goes, do you want to be healed? That is the equivalent of you being like, got, you got in a wreck, your car is on fire, an ambulance, you know, fire truck rolls up, EMT walks up to the window, knocks on it. How y'all doing? Just checking, everything okay? Any way I can help. Like, that's, the, that's what Jesus is doing, right? Like, yeah, Jesus, I want to be healed. I'm laying by this pool. I can't walk. Like, what do you think? Here's the thing. The reason that Jesus, in this prayer, in this model prayer, he, he asks the disciples to use this phrase, give us, is because he just wants to hear you say it. Like if you ever ask yourself the question, is this really worth praying about? Like this seems so small to me. Like God just wants to hear you say it. Why? It's all about helping you realize that you can't feed yourself on your own. 
It's all about helping you. Uh, it's all about Jesus wanting to wean us away from the belief that we can sustain ourselves. He, he wants to get us to relinquish control. That's this incredible thing that, that prayer does. And I love that in this prayer, it's daily bread. It's the idea that every day we get a reminder that we're not the ones in control of our lives each and every day. The, and, and the thing is, like, the more deeply that we can get to a place that we are, we are trusting Jesus in the small things, the, the more co- that we let go of control in our life, the more deeply we trust in him. See, see prayer, it replaces control with trust. And the more deeply we trust, the less we grab for control, and the deeper our relationship with Jesus can grow. So what does this look like in practice? Very simple. Ask him. He just wants to hear you say it. In the same way that, like, man, it seems so obvious. Like, why, why would I need to ask this? Jesus himself went to a man who, had been, who could not walk for 38 years and said, do you want to get well? I mean, that is the most thought-provoking. Like, man, he just wants to hear us say it. He wants us to know that we are not the sustainers of our own life. I got one more truth for us to see in this last uh, part of this prayer, but I'm going to invite the band to come out. The last thing that I want us to see is this, that prayer delivers what the gospel promises. Prayer delivers what the gospel promises. Let's, let's read this last, um, this last verse together. Verse 4. It says in this verse, Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And that's, that's the end. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. You know, as I, as I read that, I was a little confused. I, I'm confused because I read these things like, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation. And I'm going, Jesus is giving this model prayer to the disciples. They are around Jesus all the time. Like Jesus is the gospel in human form. And he's telling them and and simultaneously telling all of us, hey, when you pray, ask for forgiveness of sins. Which is odd. Because I'm going, if you trust in Jesus, you get forgiveness of sins. So why do I then need to pray about it after I've already placed my faith in him? Y'all see what I'm getting at? Like, is that kind of, a, kind of an interesting question? Here, here's how I want to explain it to us. Does anybody like Amazon? Anybody ever ordered a package from Amazon? Yes, Gabe. Wow, my goodness. That was the highest hand raise I've ever seen. So why do we like Amazon? We like Amazon because Amazon is quick, right? Like, Because I can go online, I can choose an item, and it will be on my front doorstep in two days minimum. Like, now this is Amazon Prime, by the way, okay? It's another level. Um, But we like Amazon because of the delivery, because of, of the shipping. Like, it gets there so fast. Amazon, without the shipping, without the delivery... It's no longer Amazon. It's like just eBay. And who likes that? Nobody likes eBay. 
But here's the, here's the thing. The power is in the delivery. And for us, like that's kind of what prayer is. Like the gospel is still the gospel. We still get all of these incredible promises uh, in the gospel by placing our faith in Jesus. Man, you want forgiveness of sins? Absolutely. Place your faith in Jesus. Uh, You want strength to face temptation? Absolutely. Place your faith in Jesus. But Jesus tells us, shouldn't stop you from praying for it. It shouldn't stop you from going to him and asking for forgiveness of sin. Asking for strength and temptation. Uh, Like promises that were already made through the gospel. Jesus says, ask for them now. Why? Because prayer is the vehicle through which those promises are attained. Like that's how we get it. Man, you could trust in Jesus, never pray another prayer in your life, and you're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. But think about how much you're missing. It's like Amazon without the shipping. And nobody likes eBay, right? It's like you've got this incredible deal, but no way to to access it at any time. And that's what prayer is. Prayer delivers the promises that are made through the gospel. So here's my question to you. How do you see prayer? Do you see prayer as powerful? We are walking in this semester the fruits of absolutely like faithful day in and day out prayer. And, and, and I promise you what we have seen this semester has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with our worship team. It has nothing to do with 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 anything that any human brings to the table, we are walking in the fruit of faithful day in and day out prayers. I promise you, we've seen it firsthand. Prayer is powerful. So here's a question, a convicting question. I want you to think over the last week, like seven days ago until now. What if every single prayer that you prayed God answered. Would your life look any different? Or are you praying safe prayers? Like that's that's a big question to think about. Like are you just going, Lord, could use some help on this test? If you could give me wisdom and a hedge of protection, whatever that is. Like would you like if God answered your prayers, would you even know? Like, are you praying prayers that safe? Prayer is literally us functioning in the role that we were created for, to rule alongside of God as his representative. Prayer is powerful. Are you taking advantage of that power? Tonight, maybe you came in here and you're like, man, this is a lot. I've never prayed a word in my life. Matter of fact, I'm new to this whole relationship with Jesus thing. I have no idea what any of this means. Well, tonight, uh, I have good news for you. The things that we're talking about are accessible to you through the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel is this, that you were created by a God that loves you so much, but you were separated from him because of your sin. 
And sin is simply missing the target of what God says is right and wrong. And because of your sin, you're separated from a holy God. But God was not okay with you spending eternity separated from him. So he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for your sin that that you were going to pay, that you will pay unless you take advantage of the free gift of salvation that Jesus offered. Jesus stepped in to pay your punishment. He, he stepped onto a wooden cross. He gave up his life, the life that you should have given for your sins. And because of that, you have the ability to place your faith in him and experience forgiveness of sins, new life in him now, and eternity in heaven with him forever. That's the offer that's on the table for you today. For others of you, your response is, you got to step your prayer game up. And for all of us, as we talk about being on the verge of God moving in a significant way on this campus, I hope tonight you've realized that does not happen apart from his people getting on their knees before him and asking for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, you have given us this amazing gift. The privilege of being able to come before you, God, not having to get cleaned up, not having to, uh, to do a, a bunch of right things, but God, you allow us to just come before you and simply ask. And we know that those prayers are powerful. We know that those prayers cause us to to take our hands off of our own life. But God, we know that you move when people pray. And so, Father, I'm asking that you would move tonight. That, Father, we would see see hearts uh, stirred. People who don't know you, would, that we pray that they would come to know you. We pray that your spirit would invade this place and that you would receive so much glory and honor because you are the one that deserves all glory and all honor. And God, we ask, as we've been talking about, for you to move in a way on this campus, through this ministry, through other campus ministries. God, we simply want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. And we're going to trust you no matter what. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.